0: Good evening. So we're continuing our nine-a-day series in which we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit that should be growing in our Christian lives. So as we've said each week, it's one fruit with nine different segments. And tonight we come to faithfulness. And this segment, we're going to look at the heart of who we are in relationship with God, with others, and in what we do in life. If I asked you if you thought faithfulness was common and upheld in our modern society. What answer would you give? I suspect the answer would pretty much be no or not much. But yet even in our secular society we do actually seem to cherish and laud faithfulness to some degree. There's many films, admittedly the family-friendly kind, that paint the feel-good picture happy ever after, family sticking together and triumphing through adversity, love standing the test of time, and I'll admit it, I'm, I'm a sucker for a feel-good, happy-ending, family-affirming movie. Films that affirm the values of faithfulness and friendship. Films about being true to your goals or who you are. And there's something about the picture of somebody against all odds, standing strong, and being faithful to their cause or calling, even in the face of great adversity. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that resonates within us, even if we don't agree with their standpoint. And maybe the poor, downtrodden man you fans will have something other than blind hope in about 10 years' time. <laughs> but the Guardian newspaper in 2010 ran an article asked called, Is anyone faithful anymore? <clears throat> infidelity in the 21st century and it looked at the growing ways in which people were unfaithful to their spouses and partners and asked why their answers or conclusions weren't particularly helpful but at one point they highlight an interesting paradox that while there seems to be ever greater infidelity yet we're still incredibly reverent about and attached to the ideal of monogamy both the major political parties are attempting to enshrine monogamy in pro-family policy. Both made monogamy a cornerstone of their election campaigns. En masse, we are critical of other people and their infidelities. We're fantastically sanctimonious regarding celebrity transgressions. We were glad that John Terry was stripped of his captaincy. Delighted that Tiger Woods lost his endorsement deals as a consequence of his alleged infidelities. Overjoyed that Cheryl gave Ashley the boot. We condemn the unfaithful publicly and gossip about them privately. So what explains this paradox? Well, could it be that when we think of faithfulness and how much we value it, we're primarily thinking of others being faithful to us. But when it comes to you or I being faithful through thick and thin, we don't hold it in just such a high regard. And the same can be said of many of the segments of the fruit of the Spirit. We're more concerned that others love us, are patient with us, are kind to us, than maybe we are concerned that we show such in return. So as I've been preparing for tonight, I find this hard. And I don't think many, if any of us, will find tonight's message particularly comfortable in places. I suspect each of us are going to be challenged about aspects of our lives. But hopefully, we can work through that together. And do stick with me as we look at this, because there is a great message of hope and encouragement for us, too. So, we're going to explore four questions together. And the first question is the obvious one What is faithfulness? I think I have to start out by saying, faithfulness is being in church on a glorious Sunday evening like this. So, on that note, we're all off to a good start. But often it seems easy to define something by considering its opposite. And we've done that already in this series when we looked at patience. It was helpful and instructive to consider how impatience affects our lives. And similarly with faithfulness, we can quite easily think of what unfaithfulness is. And immediately the connotation is that of infidelity in marriage or relationships. And that's clearly a very important aspect But not the whole story. But let's start with looking at the example of true and proper faithfulness as Sarah has been leading us earlier in the service. Again, as we've done a number of times in this series, we start by looking at how the segment of the fruit in the Spirit is manifest in our God. And of course, no one segment is any greater than the other or more present in our God than the other, but definitely the faithfulness of God is a rich, deep vein that runs throughout the Bible. And I don't think it would take us too long to brainstorm a concordance of examples, but in the interest of time, let me take you through a sample I prepared earlier, and these will be on the screen. And independently of each other, the first verse that came to my mind was one that Sarah shared with us earlier, Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments so we're told to know it be sure of it our God is the faithful God and he keeps his covenant not just for one generation or several generations or not for a very very long time but to a thousand generations another one psalm 57 verse 10 for great is your love reaching to the heavens your faithfulness reaches to the skies what's the extent of God's faithfulness Can it be measured or contained? No. It reaches to the skies. And very familiar verses from Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Maybe if there's a Bible handy, would you grab your Bible just and turn to Psalm 89. I want to read the first eight verses of it. It's a wonderful tribute, a wonderful song of praise to God's faithfulness. So Psalm 89, verse 1. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty. And your faithfulness surrounds you. His faithfulness is everlasting, immeasurable, unchangeable. If he says it, he will do it. He is unshakable, true, unchanging forever. He is faithful. And our Lord Jesus is again the perfect example of faithfulness to us. Revelation 19.11 describes it as the following. It says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Our Savior who was faithful to God's will for his life as he went to his death on the cross for us. One writer puts it, Faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continuing in that belief Despite the vagaries of life, faithfulness is believing that God is who He says He is and continuing in that belief despite the vagaries of life. And we'll come back to that theme later. But let's go on and look at our second question Have you been faithful? The Bible also has many examples of men and women of God who were faithful, and I'm sure your minds immediately go to Hebrews 11 which Jonathan Worthington spoke about last Sunday morning. Great accounts of strong faithfulness, holding firm, faithful exploits in God's name. Or perhaps you've read stories and biographies of faithful servants of God. Sometimes, however, it can be a bit daunting and almost discouraging as we compare ourselves and often find ourselves wanting. I want to consider a Bible character that's not listed in Hebrews 11, but one whose life teaches us a number of different lessons about faithfulness. Let's consider the apostle Simon Peter. It's evident that Peter showed great faithfulness to our God right from the start. Peter the fisherman was casting his net into the lake. Jesus walks up and says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. So understated, but incredible faithfulness. Peter just obeyed, no question. And another occasion of great faith, when Jesus was walking in the water, who is it that speaks up? Peter. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said one word, come. And Peter, the fisherman who knows a thing or two about water and how it works, immediately jumps over the side And starts walking towards Jesus. And yes, okay, he had a wee wobble then, but he turns to Jesus, asks for help, and all is well. If Jesus tells me to walk in the water, I'm jumping out of the boat. Great trust and faithfulness. Believing that God, that Jesus is who he says he is, and obeying him. And again, when Jesus asks the disciples who people say he is, and then asks them, but what about you? Who do you say I am? It's Peter who speaks up again. And I imagine it was without hesitation, almost without thinking, just straight out with it, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And another time when many were turning away from Jesus because his teaching was so hard, Jesus turns to his disciples and asks, you do not want to leave too, do you? And who is it that pipes up? It's Peter. Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. A great example of faithful living and commitment to his Lord. But what about you? What about me? If you're a Christian, do you remember Jesus calling you? Well, most of us can. Some of us may have been too young. But at some point, Jesus has called you to follow him and we have obeyed. We have committed ourselves to him. Can you recall times of great faithfulness in your life? Times when you've walked and talked with your Lord, living so close to him. Can you remember times when you've just taken him at his word and obeyed without question? Can you remember times when you've taken great risks in obeying God, doing things that seem crazy in the world's eyes, doing things that bring ridicule from them, but doing them anyway because that's what God has called you to do. What does it mean to be faithful to God how can we be faithful servants of God well in Matthew 25 maybe you'd want to grab your Bibles again and just to have a look at that passage Jesus tells us the parable of the talents apologies to our fellowship group who recently had to endure me leading our Bible study on this parable here comes some deja vu I'm afraid but hopefully it's better this time around anyway the parable of the talents it's a familiar parable A man goes on a journey. He calls three servants and gives them talents, essentially varying amounts or weights of money. Two of them work hard with what they've been given. They invest and strive and make a good return on their master's investment. The master returns and commends them as good and faithful servants. And having been faithful with a little, they're trusted with more. The master is our Lord. And what are the talents he gives us? Well, they're the opportunities we've been given in our lives for service to God. They may represent the gifts that God has given us to use for him. They may also in some way represent the material resources that God has given us to use for his glory. What is a faithful servant? One who takes what God has given them in terms of gift, resources and opportunities and invests time and work in seeking a return for our God. This is a faithful servant. Can you recall times when you have had great opportunities to serve God? Times when you really felt you've been able to use your gifts for God's glory. Can you think of occasions when you've been able to invest the things God has given you in this life for the furtherance of his kingdom? Can you remember great times of hard work for God when you have in everything sought to be faithful to him In the work he's given you to do. In the relationships he's placed you in. In the church you belong to. With those around you who do not yet know Christ. This is what it is to be faithful. This is what it is to show faithfulness. It is primarily faithfulness to God. Faithfulness with what he has given us. But clearly it's also manifest in faithfulness to those around us. In our families. Our friends our brothers and sisters in Christ, our colleagues and all around us. It's a challenging call to obey and be faithful no matter what. Peter captures it when he says in Luke 22, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. That is faithfulness. But it brings us to our third question. Have you been unfaithful? Peter, who has walked with Jesus, been called by him, lived with him, heard his teaching, seen his miracles, obeyed him, spoke up countless times. Peter, who has shown great faith, possibly the most evident of all the disciples. Peter is also for us an example of unfaithfulness. Jesus said, "You will all fall away." Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. You also are with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. This fellow is one of them he denied it surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them I don't know this man you're talking about how can this be how can someone who's walked alongside Jesus at his right hand who's been the poster boy for faith how can he do this Peter didn't see it coming. He never once imagined he could or would be so unfaithful to his Lord. If it can happen to Peter, what about you? What about me? Have you been unfaithful? The question can be applied in many ways. And let us not shrink from the searching question that this is. And this is hard and this is painful. Have you been unfaithful to God? Have you denied your faith, your Lord, your Saviour, in what you have said or done? Have you been unfaithful? In the relationships in which God has placed you, with your spouse, your family, your friends? Have you been unfaithful in the work you've been given to do? Have you shirked from the tasks you've been given, from the employment in which you may have been placed? Have you been unfaithful in the opportunities you've been given for serving God in his church, amongst his people? These are hard, searching, painful questions. And I'm sure each of us can think of something in our lives, sometime or some way where we have been unfaithful and we're ashamed of it. We wonder how we could have done or said or thought such a thing. We never intended to. Peter never imagined or intended to outright deny his Lord. How could he have done it? How can we have done so? If after this anyone here is still feeling fairly comfortable, I'm afraid there's more to come. Back to Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. We haven't looked at the third servant yet. The third servant was given a talent of money. What did he do? Well, he pretty much did nothing. He didn't lose the money. He didn't give it away. He didn't squander it. He buried it. When his master returned, he dug it up and gave it back and said, See, here is what belongs to you. But he's not a faithful servant. He's called a wicked, lazy servant. Perhaps you feel you haven't been unfaithful in any great sense. You've been a Christian for a number of years, perhaps many years, and you've kept what has been given to you. You haven't lost it. You haven't given it away. You've been turning up to church all this time. But the challenge comes, what have you done with what God has entrusted to you? Have you done anything? How have you grown? How has your knowledge of him grown in the years you've been following him? How have you taken the opportunities that God has placed before you to serve him? Because the challenging message of this parable is that if you are just standing still, if you're doing nothing, if you're not investing what God has given you for his glory and his kingdom, then you're being unfaithful. Yes, it may not be any dramatic sin or rampant, obvious unfaithfulness as we might term it, but in God's eyes, you've been unfaithful. Do you ever wish you could turn the clock back? Do you ever wish you could go back to being the person you were before you were unfaithful in whatever way you may have been? Go back and do things all over again. I'm sure Peter wished that. I'm sure he wished he could go back and undo what he said and did. Have you ever wished, if only I hadn't, or if only I didn't? If only it could go back to the way it was before. It can. Our final question will you be faithful? This brings us to the heart of the Christian gospel. There's an old chorus, and I don't particularly like it musically, but the words capture the way forward for us. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus. I don't know in what way you might have been unfaithful whether it's big or small, as we might term it. I don't know what effects it may have had. But sometimes we can be crippled by our past unfaithfulness, so much so that we can't move forwards. We think it's too much. It's too bad. We can't be restored. Peter denied his faith. Peter outright denied his Lord. He cursed and swore that he did not know Jesus so whatever it is you or I might have said or done chances are Peter trumps it can you imagine the scene what does Peter do he goes back to what he knows I'm going out to fish seeking some comfort in the familiarity of the waves lapping against the boat he wasn't catching anything But still he and the others stayed out there. Perhaps it was just to get away from everything else for a time. And a stranger calls out from the shore and tells him to throw the net on the other side of the boat. There's a strange sense of deja vu and familiarity about this, but they do it anyway. And suddenly their net is overflowing with fish. It's the Lord, Peter realizes. And this time he doesn't wait to be told to come. He doesn't care if he's going to walk on the water, swim through it, splash through it, or drink it all away. He's going over the side, and he's going to Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. The clock hasn't been turned back. It's been thrown away. Peter isn't the person he was before he was unfaithful. He's so much more than that. He's a servant of Jesus who knows his frailty, his weakness, but who knows that he loves and follows Jesus and knows that Jesus loves him despite what he has done. And Jesus calls him, restores him, and saves him. Jesus puts him back on mission, back to being faithful. Jesus asks... Do you love me? That's the question. Not, are you perfect? Not, have you got it all together? Not, have you ever messed up? Do you love me? If you do, then feed my lambs. Or simply put, obey him. Follow him faithfully. It's hard though, isn't it? At times, yes, it's very easy to follow the call to be faithful. When things are good or going well, all is fine, it's easier to be faithful. Same as Peter riding the crest of a wave as he followed Jesus through his ministry. But in the darkness of the night of Jesus' arrest, it wasn't so easy. And sometimes we think if only we knew what to expect, if only we knew what would come our way, it might be easier to be faithful. don't know how many of you have read or are planning to go and see The Fault in Our Stars. No major spoilers I promise. It's a novel by John Green about two teenagers with cancer dealing with the prospect and possibility of death and of course they fall in love. But at one point Hazel says sometimes people don't understand the promises they're making when they make them. Isaac shot her a look. Right of course. But you keep the promise anyway. That's what love is. Love is keeping the promise anyway. We don't know what life brings, what may come. And Jesus has told us that if we want to come after Him, we must take up our cross and follow Him. Love is keeping the promise anyway. Do you love me? Jesus asks. Faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continuing in that belief despite the vagaries of life. So in conclusion just a few things for us to remember. Let's remember that our God is faithful in everything now and always. Let's remember that we are called to be faithful where he has placed us with everything he has given us. Let us not let unfaithfulness get a foothold. Just as those who were faithful were trusted with more, in a reverse way, almost if we let ourselves be unfaithful with a little, it can become a lot. A thought becomes words, becomes actions. But above all, let's remember that we are not defined by our unfaithfulness. Rather, let's remember the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus and his death for us, taking away the sting, the penalty the curse of our sin and unfaithfulness and putting his Holy Spirit within us to empower us to live for him in faithfulness. And that's what we're about to remember right now as we come to his table. He asks us, do you love me?